So welcome to Because You Know Dragons. I'm Micah. And I'm Joe. And this week we're talking about the granddaddy or just daddy. Granddack daddy. Of all dragons, Smaug. Um, If you're not familiar with Smaug, he is the biggest antagonizing force in The Hobbit. And And if you don't know what The Hobbit is, that's the prequel to The Lord of the Rings. Well, it's not really a prequel because it was written first, so... And if you don't know what The Lord of the Rings is, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. (laughs) Glad you're louder than me. Um... (laughs) So, without further ado, let's kind of get into the background of what The Hobbit is and who J.R.R. Tolkien is. Um, I'm going to let you take take the reins on Tolkien, because I think you know more about him than I do. So, Tolkien was a professor at Oxford. He's uh, known kind of as an expert on Beowulf. You can see some of that inspiration in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and he um, actually did his own, like, translation of Beowulf. Like, I know it's, like, a, it's a very big piece of English literature, but it's in Old English, and so that doesn't sound the same as regular English. So he trans- was one of the biggest translators of it. Yeah, he found Beowulf extremely interesting, and you see that come into his works. Um Greatest known of these is obviously the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series. Um, But outside of that, he was actually um, friends with C.S. Lewis. They had ongoing dialogues about various things in their friend group at Oxford. Tolkien was a hardcore Catholic, and C.S. Lewis was an Anglican, and they they went... They had a little writing club called the Inklings, and it's such a cute name. Lots of back-and-forth banter between the two of them, to say the least. But Tolkien, uh, as we said, he was a Catholic, and you can see a lot of the inspiration from his faith kind of come into his writing. And we'll definitely see that in Smaug and what Smaug is and how it he plays into the plot of uh, The Hobbit. Yeah, I mean, you can... Like, C.S. Lewis doesn't have any dragons in his work. That's why we're not going to... Well, does he? I don't know. I don't read It's been books. a while since I've read those, so I'll have to... Somebody please correct me if I'm wrong about that, because I would love to reread those. Um, but there's definitely, like, Christian themes in his book, and to... but Tolkien's, you have to kind of dig a little more to find them. Aslan, like, the lion like, dragon. C.S. Lewis is... Like as, like Joe just brought up Aslan. Aslan is Jesus, and it's real easy to see that. But like with Tolkien's work, you have to think about it a little more. He hide like Micah said. He hides it a lot better. It's it's way more subtle than hey, look, this is Jesus lion. Yeah. So um, action figures sold separately. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the Hobbit was was it his first work or one. It, it was the first in the Hobbit Lord of the Rings series. Um, he released it in 1937. Yeah, but he was all writing, already writing yeah. the Lord of the Rings. Um, the Hobbit was kind of a side project before, and he only, after publishing it, 
totally decided that it would fall into his Lord of the Rings series. Yeah, and it, it's, much, series. it's much shorter of a book than any of the individual Lord of the Rings books. So, <laughs> I mean, it's... And, and it's much more of a lighthearted, whimsical book. Like, the Lord of the Rings, you get to parts, and it's just like... I, I've never actually finished reading any of the Lord of the Rings books because there's parts that it's so... It's dense. ...dull and... It's it's very hard to read. I'm definitely someday going to go back and read them, but The Hobbit is it's been marked as a children's book. So it's much easier to read, much more lighthearted. So if you haven't read it, it's stop this podcast now because we're about to spoil it, bitches. It's a hundred year old book and they made eighteen movies about it, or that's what it feels like. So many. Um if you listen to our um Defining Dragons episode, I I said this is, was one of my first, like, longer, not, like, picture books that I read, um, and I brought up the wonderful, wonderful Rankin and Bass Hobbit movie, um, which, again, you should, if you, if you can find it, you should definitely watch it. It's, it's a classic. <laughs> Little known fact... Micah said this was her first non-picture book. She only started reading it last week. And Joe is a giant swinging cock. Um, no, I think I read it... I was in first or second grade when I first read it. My dad, my dad started off reading it to me, and then I didn't want to wait for him to continue to read it, so I just read it myself. Um... So, it was one of my first books. Um, so, let's go into the plot about it a little bit. It starts, Bilbo's just, like, sitting on his porch, smoking a pipe, smoking a giant, whatever. Well, tell him who Bilbo is. Oh, Bilbo is a hobbit. He is the hobbit. Um, the. The. Um, there's a lot of hobbits in Bag End. Not Bag End. The Shire. Bag End is where Bilbo lives. Um... It's a lot of rambling. You don't need to know that. You'll read the book. You'll find that out. He's sitting there. Gandalf says, is this wizard, he's good friends with Bilbo, and he says, hey, got an adventure. And Bilbo's like, whoa, no. And so Gandalf leaves, or Bilbo shuts him out. Gam Gandalf puts this little sign on Bilbo's door without him knowing. And then the next day, all these dwarves show up, and they're talking about there's this dragon that stole our gold, stole our mountain we're gonna go get him and you're gonna be our thief and Bilbo's like yeah sure yeah right goes to sleep and wakes up the dwarves are gone and Gandalf comes and is like hey what do you do when the dwarves are waiting for you you gotta get going and so Bilbo just like runs off without even thinking about it and so they start this this starts this like complete transformation of Bilbo Bilbo doesn't know it yet but by the end of the story, he's just almost like a completely different person. And they go through all these different trials. There's the misty mountains that they have to go over and they face goblins and then face some wolves. And that's one of the kind of a cool part. I mean, it, it's very, when you visualize it, they're all sitting up in trees and Gandalf is throwing like flaming pine cones at these wolves. It's a funny mental image to think about um it's an acid trip it is it oh man can you imagine reading this book like 
on acid. Well, so. I can't, but if I could, <laughs> so kids don't do drugs. Somebody, if you are a drug user, read don't this do and then tell us about it and while then quit you're high. Using drugs. And then quit, go go see a doctor or a rehab professional. Is that what they're called? Sure. Crack is whack. Drugs are Barbara hugs. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, so they face the wolves, and they come out of the wolves. They go through the, the, what's the forest called? It's called, is that Mirkwood? Yeah. They go through Mirkwood. Um, they piss off some spiders. They piss off some elves. Oh, they pissed off the goblins and the wolves both. Um, they get out of the, they, after them, they're done pissing off the elves, they piss off some humans. They didn't piss them off too much. But they they piss off a dragon that the humans kill, which then pisses off the humans. Because they the humans like lived much closer to the mountain, and they kind of had a very good trade agreement with the dwarves. Um, the dwarves would give them gold. The humans would give them like food and stuff until the dragon came, and. So that's the whole reason for this story, yeah. is that the dwarves long ago lived on this mountain, and they amassed a large fortune, Smaug had heard about the fortune, came, killed, ate, scared mm -hmm. away all the dwarves, so the dwarves are basically a people without a home, mm -hmm. or this particular group of dwarves, and that's why the, um, the company sets out to go liberate the yeah. mountain from they the dragon. They want to go reclaim their gold and reclaim their home. Um, and like I said, they, they piss off all of these different groups of people and creatures along the way. And so after they, the dragon finally dies, there's the Battle of the Five Armies. And so you have all of these people coming together at the Lonely Mountain to come take what they think is theirs. Like, yeah. It's, it's basically like when you go to Walmart, you're shopping through the whole store, you piss off everybody, but at the end of the time, like, you check out in the same exact aisle as them. It's like Black Friday. Unavoidable. It's like Black Friday when they have TVs for $100 and everybody wants that TV, but only like five people can get the TV. So the somebody has to armies. die. So um, a couple people die. I'm not going to tell you who, because then it spoils things and it makes it sad. I'm still sad about... Hashtag Gandalf is dead. Hashtag no, Joe is a liar. Hashtag The Hobbit didn't really happen. Hashtag it's a fiction book. Okay. Um, so that's basically in much fewer words than what's actually in The Hobbit, what The Hobbit is. Um, and along the journey, Bilbo finds this magic ring, which is then what causes the Lord of the Rings, but... Spoilers. Spo spoilers. I mean, it's not that big of a spoiler. It happens, like, less than halfway through the book. Let's get down to brass tacks. Yeah. Let's start talking about some dragons here. Let's, let's get to Smaug, because he's a big part of the book. Like, I didn't... Like, I reread it before before we started this podcast, and I didn't, I didn't mark, like, every instance that they bring up Smaug, but I have quite a few sticky notes in my copy of the book, 
I have about hmm, probably twenty or so yeah. sticking out, and they're not not every one of them is where they bring up Smaug, but like they there's there's places that they talk about like snapdragons, like the flower, um, and they like bring up dragons a lot before they even mention Smaug. They don't even bring up Smaug's name until about. 20 pages into my copy. Um, See, this is a good um, usage of the less is more when describing the antagonist or the monster, kind of like Jaws. Mm -hmm. Sometimes less is more leaves your imagination to wonder and little pieces get sprinkled in right. here and there and just builds up to the... Like, they bring him up battle. so much, and they say, oh, man, he's this terrifying dragon. But they, they don't say why beyond he killed our people. Um, but you, the entire time, like, they bring him up quite a bit at the beginning, and then there's this lull until they get out of the Mirkwood forest. And then until Smaug's death, he is entirely present the entire time. So... He's present, like, you're aware that he's there, and you're kind of aware that that's what their journey is, but they don't shove it in your face that, hey, there's a dragon at the end. Guys, there's a dragon. There's a dragon. It's gonna kill us. There's a dragon. Oh my gosh. So, I, I think Tolkien does that very well with this. Well, the journey's just important as the end. Yeah. I think that's the... Uh, one of the takeaways from this journey is just as important as shoving lead into a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I kind of realized, this is probably the third time that I've read The Hobbit. I've, I've read it a couple times. Um, something that I realized on this is that I, or I've come, I thought while reading this, Smaug is the reason for the book the reason that, that there is a story, but he's not the point of the story. Um, he's this big antagonizing force, but he he dies, like, and then there's... I don't know if I said spoiler alert, but they get the dragon, you guys. He did. He dies, and then there's still another five chapters left after his death. There's, like, a solid... 40 pages of the book left and a lot happens in those 40 pages they have this after he dies everybody's like oh hey the dragon's dead and this news spreads spreads really fast there's like a couple of days that the men of the they kill him in the lake town the dwarves had nothing to do with that they pissed him off and he flew out of the mountain in a rage and goes to burn this lake town they kill him and so they're rejoicing, the news gets to the Mirkwood, and the elves are like, okay, let's go get this gold. That news gets to the goblins and to the, to the wolves, which they call wargs a lot. And that's more the point of the story rather than the dragon, I, in my opinion. I don't, I don't know what Joe's thought yeah. on this. No, I agree. He's... For how cool he is, he's a lot of a, just a backdrop. He's the background. Yeah. Um, it's a story about greed. Definitely. Um, a story about friendship and how that friendship grows. Um, 
learning to trust people, trusting in people who are different than you, dwarves, mm -hmm. elves, but not goblins. Nobody trusts goblins or gross. Um, and, and Joe brought up greed. Um, the the movies, movies. I don't want to oh. talk about the movie because that'll turn into a rant. But y'all don't want to hear. I think I can um, read the book faster than I can watch the three Hobbit definitely. movies. Um, but the movies make more of a big deal out of this than the book does. Um, there is a gem in the um, in the dwarf's treasure called the Arkenstone. And it's this beautiful gem, and it's just mesmerizing. You see it, and you're like, oh my god, it's this, it's just the only thing that you, that your mind. crown jewel. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, the movies make a lot bigger deal out of it, which I think is one of, it's probably one of the things the, the movies did right, was bringing it up at the beginning, because this doesn't bring it up until two pages before you see it. But... When Bilbo finds it in the book, he's immediately taken by it. He's like, there, there's all of this gold around him. He could have put coins in his pocket or whatever, but as soon as he sees the Arkenstone, he says, the, the dwarf said I could have whatever I want for my 114th share. This is what I want to take. And he knows in his mind that, like, he says, like, he knows that's not what they meant, but... He puts it in his pocket anyway. So I think definitely that that is an important show of that the greed of that greed affects everyone. Like Bilbo is supposed to be this pure, more pure than. Yeah, hobbits are pure beings in Tolkien's works, um, but they're also affected by things like greed. Why else does he have the ring? Yeah, and greed. Well, well, the greed, or the ring, sorry, the ring was just, like, on the ground, just touches it, like, oh, and he just, like, absentmindedly puts it in his pocket. Um, but, like... But he knows of, it belongs to Gollum. He, once he realizes that it's... Because he, Gollum starts to kind of freak out that he doesn't have his birthday present, and he doesn't... Gollum never actually says that his birthday present is the ring, but Bill, it kind of clicks in Bilbo's mind. He's like, oh... I'm not giving it back to him. And you kind of... the In the Lord of the Rings, you kind of figure out, oh, that's the ring's magic working on him. But that's part of the greed aspect. Like, later on, Frodo, in the Lord of the Rings, he gets the ring, and Bilbo sees it, and he immediately goes for it. And Frodo's like, whoa, man. Greed. Yeah, no, and Smaug is the embodiment of oh, these yeah. these feelings um there's a point when bilbo a little tiny bilbo takes a little tiny cup brings it back as yeah. proof that he found the treasure and found where the dragon is no and smaug knows he knows that one cup is gone out of this huge pile of stuff if that is not a love of wealth and possessions man then i don't know what is um and Greedy SOB right there. On that, there's a book that I found, and I haven't read a whole lot of the book, but it's called Exploring J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. It's by Corey Olson. Um, and it mentions why Smaug came to that area. Um, let me... Find... Does he smell something? Um, let me see. I don't remember. It's been a while. It, 
and it's I couldn't. Been a while. I, and I read this like a couple days after I'd started, um, but it says that his primary illustration of dwarvish, dwarvish craftsmanship is the most marvelous and magical toys, the like of which is not to be found in the world nowadays. And he equates like, and he also says the toy market of Dale was the wonder of the North. So he this so Corey Olson in this paragraph is talking about why Smaug came to this area specifically and he kind of says he came because he wanted the toys and I think that's kind of goes back to the playfulness that's in the Hobbit um playful dragon eats entire village of dwarves not my type of game eats entire village of dwarves but he kind of just wanted to play with the toys (laughs) And, and you don't get that in, like, The Lord of the Rings, because The Lord of the Rings, like, there's a lot more death, and there's death in this, too, but there's a lot more death, and it's a much darker book, but this, and that's some kind of a throwaway line when they talk about the, the toys and stuff, like, you just kind of skip over it, and you're like, oh, yeah, whatever, but even the dragon has a playful side, like, when you're reading it, he's, when you're... He's this snakish creature that wants to just eat everything and is conniving and devours. Oh yeah, mm. um, they like I said in our defining dragons, they refer to him especially in the chapter where they meet him. They refer to him as a worm, and they spell it W O R M, which is when you typically hear of worm as far as dragons, it's different usually W-Y-R-M. And I'm not, I couldn't find a reason why that was. Um, but it makes it seem more like he's, slimy. And, yeah. From the movie Tremors. Yeah. Big old nasty, <laughs> gross 80s worm. No, he ticks off a lot of, uh, a lot of my criteria for being a dragon. Breeze fire, reptilian... He can fly. Most of the illustrations have him having horns. Oh, yeah. Loves treasure, even to the detriment of his own being. Treasure is his being. That's why he exists. He lives for it instead of it lives for him. And to that means he lays on it and it gets encrusted inside of him. So it's almost as, as if the treasure becomes a part of him. He needs those possessions so much that they become a part of him. It's kind of um, kind of poetic in a sense that there's a notch missing. Spoilers, this is how he's going to die. Notch missing underneath where there's a small hole where they use that as a way to shoot an arrow into the one sock right. spot. And like again, like we said in the Defining Dragons, like a lot of literature and video games and movies, they talk about how their stomach is their weak spot and that's why he lays on the lays on the gold and the treasures to cover himself with the with this stuff there's one spot that he missed yeah his greed could not save him um poetic justice in the lord of the rings there's like entire pages that are just one paragraph that'll like go on to the next page in the same paragraph and it's, again it's hard to read i don't want to i don't want to keep bringing up this point but it is hard to read. I'm an English major, and I can admit that. Um, 
But this, like, the fact that he doesn't go into that much detail about what he looks like, like, he, like, Bilbo goes under this tunnel, and it, and he first brings up, it was a red light steadily getting redder and redder. It's also undoubtedly hot in the tunnel. Wisps of vapor floated up and past him, and, like, he's just describing this heat around him, this tomcat purring. This is, like, what he feels, but that's it. Like, he doesn't go on and on what it... No, Smaug is a hipster. He's vaping. <laughs> Hashtag oh my gosh! Lounge. It's a vapor lounge. <laughs> How did I never read this into this? What do you think? Tolkien was a hipster. What flavor do you think his vape is? Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> Hands down, always dwarf. Yeah, no, like you said, and like we mentioned earlier, the small sprinklings, it leads so much to the imagination. Smaug is so much more than just... A dragon or just a right. character he's just the embodiment of this nastiness but i think as far as like none of and this book compared compared to the lord of the rings there's not a whole lot that tolkien made up for this book um the lord of the rings there's a lot more obscure stuff but this you have goblins you have wargs which are wolves you have elves you have spiders you have dragons. The hobbits he describes a little bit more. And you have dwarves. Well, that's it. That's stuff a lot of people are familiar with. So you don't really need to get into super duper detail about... You don't need to get out the deep lore, Silmarillion, and... Yeah. Get on the internet for 20 hours on every single wiki you can find. It, it's stuff that people are pretty familiar with, so... My mom can read it and not be lost about who's whose mom and who's whose dad and who turned the ring of power into xyz lmnop sauron did what to who to be satan it's great so i think it's i think it's an important book i think it's it's definitely influenced i think a lot of dragons i like again like we said in the defining dragons like especially the European idea of the dragon came from, like, Beowulf and legends like that. But I think this definitely brought it into mainstream. Oh, yeah. modern The modern idea of fantasy comes, comes from, from Tolkien. Tolkien. Yeah. He has revolutionized it, brought it back into the mainstream. So did C.S. Lewis. It was kind mm -hmm. of a revival there. I'd say that's the, yeah. the big revival. And then the movies... The Lord of the Rings and movies brought, brought it, it back, back again. even further. Do you not think we would have Elder Scrolls games oh, if there was no not. Hobbit? You can tell my husband, Todd Howard, got his ideas from The Hobbit. Um, disclaimer, Micah's not married to Todd I'm Howard. I'm not married to Todd Howard. I, would I am. To be. No. <laughs> He's mine, Joe. But, like, seriously, Todd Howard? If you're listening me. to this podcast, we will let you on anytime you like. Please. We'll play Skyrim with you and drink of your wisdom. Yes. All hail. <laughs> All hail, Lord Todd. So, uh, going back to Smaug, is there anything else that really, really strikes you? Is more uh, just indicative to him instead of being kind of the um, stereotypical dragon, mostly because he is our modern concept, I would say, of what right. being a dragon is. So it's almost like Romeo and Juliet. It kind of seems 
overplayed and overdone, but when you're the original, you can kind of get yeah. away with that. There's the way he talks with Bilbo when, because like Bilbo goes in and he sees Smaug, Smaug's asleep, so he, so he goes and gets the, gets the cup, then even, and he leaves. But I think we often think of dragons as these very wise creatures, especially especially Chinese dragons are seen as these wise creatures. Um, and he does is very wise, like he like Bilbo refers to himself as the barrel rider, I think. And like to anybody else, like that that makes no sense and it's just an, a one-off comment that nobody else would get. But Smiles like, oh, you guys rode b- barrels down the river to, to Lake Town, didn't you? And he doesn't actually say that, but he's smart enough to know what that means. And that, But he's also, like, listening to Bilbo and kind of getting... They're both getting drawn into each other and enchanted by each other, almost. He's it's, a 007 villain. He's going on this ginormous monologue playing with his prey, doing riddles. They're definitely going back and forth. And yeah. Because Bilbo gets as much in as Smaug does in this part. Right. But, like, playing with his prey, that sounds almost cat-like, and they said well, he purred. Yeah, he's he does have somewhat of a cat-like depiction <laughs> in some of the, some of the movies. Um, almost furry, perhaps, but... He does have some sort of cat-like tendencies in that sense. And I, I definitely think it's it's been Cunning. since the movie came out that I've seen it, but Desolation of Smaug did Smaug right. It did. I he was this big, intimidating. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch's voice was this perfect voice for Smaug, so. There's a lot that, again, I won't get into this rant, but there's a, a lot that I didn't like about those movies, but Smaug was, I think, one of the best parts. Well, in that movie, but the third movie, oh, it started, oh, Smaug's dead, oh, let's move let's on. Let's not get into the third <laughs> movie, because there's so much that I could talk about there. It's like, oh, good, we got the third bay. oh, he's dead, oh, shoot, and Boner's gone. Spoiler alert about me, guys. I don't like the Hobbit trilogy. It shouldn't have been a trilogy. But anyway, Smaug, he's done very well. I, He's large and intimidating. and He's almost exactly how... If, if Peter Jackson does nothing else right, it's recreating the world of the Hobbit. Because... The way that things look in the movie is almost exactly how Tolkien describes it in the book. The, the down to the people and the dragons and the environment itself is the floppy goiter on the Goblin King. <laughs> Put that one in your tweets. <laughs> floppy goiter. Hashtag floppy goiter. Um, he does. Peter Jackson does recreate these environments and these the looks of things very well. Um, so if nothing else, that's worth it for, that redeems the movies, I guess. Um, read the book first, Yeah, though. read the book let, first. Let Tolkien feed your imagination before you see what 
right. uh, Peter Jackson's imagination had. It's very good. I agree. It's, but what the words from the page is it's a whole oh, different yeah. whole different world. He he definitely builds things in your mind. You can a lot of books you kind of have to be like, "Oh, okay, the room was blue, but what else about the room?" But Tolkien, the way he describes things, he'll the again, the Lord of the Rings, sometimes it it gets bogged down with description, but yeah, eight pages about one character's beard. Yeah, huh. but the Hobbit, like, he'll describe it just enough that you can get a really good picture in your head what things look like. The dragon included. So, as a dragon, not as the Hobbit in the work, what would you rate Smaug out of ten? I would say... He was really close to ten. I wouldn't give him perfect ten. But maybe, like, 9.95. He is really close. I'd give him 9.5 horny dragons out of 10. Mm. 9.5. He did he he did very well. No extra credit. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have he really he doesn't have that large of a part. They talk about him a lot. But he comes in and like then, a wrecking ball. Yeah, comes in. You see him chapter 12. And he dies chapter 14. He's in there for three chapters. So it's more the myth about the dragon than the dragon itself. But that just speaks to how awesome he is. Yeah. He leaves such a big impression. He leaves such a big impression in these only three chapters. actually physically there in three. But he can't be that... He can't reach the perfection of a 10 out of 10... Because he is only there for three chapters. So, he's amazing, but not perfection. So, I, th- I think he's he's 9.95 for me. 9.5 for Joe. 9.5 horny dragons, horny out, dragons of out of 10. So, with that, um, if again, if you have ideas for dragons that we might have missed... Um, we have a hu- we have a huge spreadsheet on Google Dot or Google Drive. Pretty nerdy. Um, got we have a ton of ideas. Um, we we did a deep dive on the internet to find as many as we could, but I'm sure there's some that we missed. So if you think of something, a dragon that you love, tweet at us at byk dragons, or you can tweet at me at Micah underscore I guess. Uh, you can find me at Twitter at. Joe underscore the underscore wolf. Uh, you can find that also on our description of the podcast, our podcast details here. Uh, we'll also leave our email in there. Uh, be sure to find us at any of the places you normally get your podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Um, if there's somewhere where you want us to be, we're not. Also send that on to us. We're always open to looking for more places. Uh, again, join us bi-weekly trying to pump these out as quickly as we can. We also work full-time jobs and uh, kind of lazy, so yeah. we'll do what we can do. Uh. Um, and, again, bi-weekly, we'll talk more about our horny horny dragons. Um, but until next time... Because, uh, you know, know dragons. dragons.
Do-do-do. No, shoot, I fucked it up. <laughs>